Hi, and welcome to the C-Suite Perspective Podcast, where we talk about systems and processes. My name is Chris Gilseth, and I'm the COO of Amazatic Solutions, an agency that develops apps and custom software solutions. The mission of this podcast is to bring together experienced leaders so that we can share ideas and together elevate the industry. If you want to be a guest on our show or know somebody that's a good fit, go to go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. That is go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. Hi, everyone. This is Chris with Amazatic, and you are listening to the C-Suite Perspective, where we talk about systems and processes. Today, I have the pleasure of having with me Diana Ball, the CEO of ThoughtBot. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's fun to be here. Yeah, and we're grateful to have you here. I'm actually really looking forward to this conversation, partly because you and I are kind of in the same space, the tech space, and, and doing software development. Uh, but also because there's there's been so much talk about women in tech, and, and you have a fantastic background with uh, a lot of executive roles that you've had, especially within marketing, but also now moved into the CEO position that you have with uh, ThoughtBot. So, you know, I think we all, women, men, you know, where, where, whatever we co- wherever we come from in the world, um, we all have different unique insights that we can bring to the table. And I, I love every opportunity to learn from anybody I can. And I hope that we can have a, a great time here today. Uh, we had a little chat in the kind of the pre-show here, if you want, and um, felt that, that you have a lot of good things to, to bring. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say today. So I wanted to kind of ask a little bit first before we go into top bottom, what do you guys do there? Tell me a little bit about your kind of career trajectory, because like I said, you have you have an extensive list of experience. If, if you go to your LinkedIn profile, I mean, there's there's a lot of good stuff there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of like a cat. I think I've had nine lives. <laughs> I um, I actually I can start at the I've kind of come full circle. I um, in the in the, in the beginning, I, I put myself through undergrad and grad school by working in tech. So at first I was a software development support and then I became a webmaster when they used to use that term way, way back. <laughs> and then when I, when, I, um, when I graduated with my MBA, I, I moved away, I started to move away from tech and I moved into business development roles, but I, I worked um, 10 years at an entertainment company, Univision, Spanish language entertainment company. And then four years at two different marketing agencies, uh, one with IPG, and another with MDC Partners. And then I moved into financial services with Liberty Mutual for three years. It was at Liberty Mutual that I fell back in love with technology because I was working a lot with telematics partners and home security partners. And I knew I had to get back into tech. And then I found ThoughtBot and I came full circle. <laughs> so that, that's... Uh, kind of how I made it all. And the, the common thread between all of them has been marketing and business development, primarily business development and strategic partnerships. Yeah, so I, I want to touch on that a little bit, uh, but I do want to start a little bit before that because I saw that back in 2000, you had a role of essentially implementing 
email and calendars and things like that across, you know, the company that you were working for, which now is maybe more of a natural thing. But back then, there weren't too many companies that were doing that in the unified approach. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, what got that started? And what was some of your experience kind of going through that? Wow, that was a, that was a while ago. Um, it was really at the start of the digital age, basically. It's, it was at the very start of moving from analog into digital. And back then I was working for a law firm and my job was to bring the digital to, to the lawyers. So like um, teaching them um, software application uh, tools Mm-hmm. And supporting them whenever they had something go wrong with the, with the software application tools, and it was when uh, you started to see Microsoft Office be deployed on a big scale, and we um, so my my role was just to to help be that liaison to transition people from the the, the times of using um, I don't even remember what we used to use before, <laughs> but somehow we communicated. Maybe it was letter. And then transitioning over to, 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 you know, to email. That's where that, that's what I did back then. And it was, uh, it was interesting because we had some folks who, uh, I remember them calling themselves Luddites. And I had people who were resistant to transition and others who embraced it 100%. So, um, but that's the case with every, every change, I think. Yeah. So, so how did you handle that? Because even though that was a technology that was new back then and obviously now a very common technology, over the last couple of years, a lot of people have had to get gotten used to new technologies. Uh, but there's still going to be new things all the time. And whether it's technology or whether there's just a new, you know, a new policy or a new uh, process or whatever it might be in a company, there's always going to be somebody that resists because they're used to the good old good old thing kind of yeah can you share a little bit from what your your experience whether it's from back then or or more recent years um some of the ways you handle that and some of the ways you can maybe share a tip because one of the things we'd like to do in this show is to share you know practical tips that that people can actually walk away from the show and say i can implement that in my business right away yeah i remember training a lot and i remember walking people through step by step so what i did for myself was to learn it as if i was teaching my my six-year-old self or my five-year-old self or like a very young self Mm -hmm. and i documented the steps that were easy for me to understand them and that helped me explain things in a simple way or a simpler way to people who, who never used that technology before. And then I, I used a lot of images. I used a lot of like, first you do this and then you do that. But I, I made it so simple that in theory, I could have walked away. And if, you, if I gave them a piece of paper or a set of instructions, they could do it on their own. Uh, so that was, that was my technique back then. And I used a lot of training courses. So I would have workshops and bring people into a conference room and just walk them through how to do it. We had course materials. It was basically like a class room mm-hmm. setting within an office and teaching people how to use the, the tools. 
and then being available to them when they when they came across an issue. Um, you know, there were people who were at the time. Word. I remember using Word. Was it Word? No, I don't even. Word Perfect. It was called Word Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And um, so a lot of the um, the the law firms used Word Perfect and teaching them how to use um, that tool was a, understanding what kind of output they had to create. They, I worked with a lot of civil litigation folks, so they had to use, um, you know, prepare court materials and things like that. So understanding what their output was and working to help them facilitate that output. Right. So you, you simplified it, you made it very visual, very kind of approachable to people. Yeah. Is that, is that what you've carried with you and how you do things today? Or, or have you changed your methods on how you um, help people kind of overcome change resistance? That's interesting. I never really thought of that, Chris. Um, I think I have carried that through for myself. But I know I don't really share that. It's just something that I apply to myself. But that's a really you're making me very introspective right now. <laughs> I I I think I have done that. I have I do create. I'm a big checklist lover. Like I love checklists because it makes our lives easier. So if um, if I have a process, I like to document it and know. Okay, this is what I'm going to do next, and this this follows after that, and I create my if then you know, decision trees that'll take me in different directions if yeah. this or that happens. But I think I did learn that in the training environment. Um, but I never really realized it until this moment that that's where it came from. Well, hey, you can go walk away from the show with a new insight then. Yeah. <laughs> Are you using this for yourself only though? Or is this what you also do in your organization? Because, you know, now wearing the, the hat of a CEO, um, yeah. obviously whenever you change some things, it kind of either comes from you or, or goes back up to you in some sense, you know? I think it's a lot different now. Um, and it, it's really interesting because at that time I was kind of like the resident, one of the resident experts, right? I'm one of the people who really knew what to do on the digital side mm -hmm. and, and was teaching people. In my role now, it is, I work with a lot of experts who know way more than I will ever know about <laughs> programming languages and, or design, you know, or the user experience or research. I know enough to be dangerous, but we don't want me uh, developing any programs anymore. <laughs> like, those days are over for me. But what I do now is I, 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 I listen a lot. Like I think what's really important is to is to listen to the developers and to the designers because they have the experience of creating the actual work product and they've seen what works and what doesn't work and that is extremely valuable to saving to saving us time and to saving our clients time and to creating better products. So I think my role now is more of a kind of facilitator or finder like I feel like I'm searching always searching like where where is that insight <laughs> where is that nugget of information that could be useful for us um, and I feel that I start 
a lot of conversations with trying to be in listen mode and trying to absorb as much as possible. But it's very helpful because I'm dealing with a bunch of experts who really know their particular subject area very well. I'm more of a generalist, so I bring in that general perspective. Right. So what will be your tip to, um, to leaders that are in a similar position to you and in that listening process, being able to like, what's the tip to be able to filter out what is, what is that nugget? What is being said that is maybe not the technical aspect of it, or maybe they are talking about a technical execution and that is not where your you know domain of expertise is yourself, yet you be able to kind of pick apart some of the things they're saying to help improve the process or be, provide constructive feedback or or get the information you need to make additional changes elsewhere. Uh, well, one thing we do at Thoughtbot, and we do a lot with the client, is starting with the problem statement. So really understand, and you'll hear a lot of folks at Thoughtbot do this, is what is the problem that we're solving? Mm -hmm. So we tend to start there um, because you can't come up with a solution unless you know what problem you're solving. So we, we, come, we come up with that question again and again and again, and we'll try to, try to just deconstruct that to, to determine, is this really the problem that we're solving? Is there a hidden problem underneath that problem that we say we're solving. Uh, so that is one thing that, that we all do, I think. Um, another one is using our agile methodologies in a way that is constantly soliciting feedback and co constantly testing and constantly listening and iterating, even, even among things that have nothing to do with uh, a client product. It could be our own internal processes. It can be our own internal meetings. We're always iterating on that and thinking about how can we make things better for ourselves? Where are we wasting time? Where are we, um, where can think, what are, what are we doing really well? You know? So I think those are things that, that are coming into play now. So are you, or would you say that even in this approach, um, what looking at the problem statements, that it, it boils down to what you earlier talked about, about bringing it down to simplicity. And usefulness. And usefulness. So, so, I like yeah. that, that additional aspect. Mm -hmm. is, is it explained simply? Is it useful? That, that's definitely a good one. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that can help us solve, solve the, the problem or the pain point. That, that we need, that needs solving. And when you do that, you know that you're on the right track. Yeah. How do you, um, how do you approach? So if, if somebody is very technical, for example, and, uh, and you're talking to them and you're talking about a problem or you're talking about a potential change or, or whatever, they provide their insight and, uh, and they talk in very technical terms. I know that scares a lot of leaders because they are on the leadership side and not the technical execution side of things. And there's been plenty of articles out there that I, you know, I remember one that came out and I think it was in Forbes a couple of years ago that, um, or maybe four years ago that that was like, 
how to understand code for the the boss type of thing. And it was very, I think, one of the more popular articles over time. <laughs> and um, and they talked about that problem of my many executives being, you know, unsure or or kind of afraid of approaching those conversations. Um, and and you have some technical background, so I'm, I'm sure that helps you. But what are some some ways of approaching those conversations that that you can impart with others that may be scared of having those conversations with their very technical guys? Yeah, I think uh, I think language today is more important than ever, and I think clarity is as well. So one thing we try to do actually is to remove jargon speak and to communicate in a way that could be understood. Mm -hmm. So it's important that if even, even if uh, let's say you're communicating with somebody who's not doing that, who's not removing jargon, that's that they're accustomed to, then it's important to ask, what does that mean? And to get clarity on the receiving end. Because um, you, that'll just, it'll only help oneself. If one asks for clarity, it, one may feel a little bit like, oh gosh, should I even be asking this? Shouldn't I know this? But, but it's better to ask than to not ask because then you know you're receiving the information properly. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's, that's one of the big words for me too, clarity. And uh, I work on that a lot, both in my own communication, but also in the, in the people that I work with to make sure that the communication is clear. And I was part of a conversation this this morning, actually, where they brought up the word uh, or the phrase or, or statement that a lot of people say, you know, if, if you present something to them, they say, it sounds good. Mm. Yeah. You know, most of us think that that's a yes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the person I was talking about that said, no, it really just means it sounds good. I am not committed to anything. It just sounds good. You know, you get an example of, uh, hey, um, I want to invite you to this networking event coming up on Friday. Sounds good. And you come pick the person up and they're like, no, no, I'm not planning on going. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and, and we, we create these constructs where we think that, these terms mean certain things, but a lot of times they, they really don't. We need to be more careful about that language and really seek that clarity because if it sounds good, you know, the follow-up question could be, well, does it, does it just sound good or is it something you, you're wanting to do as an example? So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, one thing I've been doing, which is really interesting, I've just, I've just been doing this for myself. I haven't really shared this with any Chris. You're like bringing all these things out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I haven't even thought about sharing. Um, so one thing I've been doing though is is really paying attention to how I'm whenever I'm using cliches. Like, was that just a cliche that I used, and why did I use that, and mm-hmm. what did I really mean by that? I've been doing that to myself and trying to catch myself. Like, put the foot on, put your foot on the gas pedal. <laughs> like, yeah. what am I trying to say by that? Oh. You know, so why don't I just say what I'm really trying to say? You know what I mean? Um, I, I, I've been catching myself doing a lot of that and seeing, can you, re- can you remove your cliches, Diana, and just speak in a way that really defines what it is you're trying to say? 
it's harder to do than we could, than we imagine, because I think a lot of us, and then in this exercise that I've been doing with myself, I'm starting to see that a lot of people do this. A lot of people speak in cliches or in, um, in ways that are, you, you know, um, just jargony or like, um, I don't even know what the term for it is. No, but, but you're right. I mean, it's, and it happens all the time, especially when we get into you know, our industry, whichever that one is. And then we start to talk to our clients and they're not familiar with that. And then they get confused. So it's an interesting exercise. And I think I'm going to try it myself. One that I've actually been working on the last few months is to remove using the word but in talk and, and especially written. And it's a lot harder than you think because we yes. use it all the time. All the time. Well, we got to connect and see how here these journeys go after we chat here. I would oh, be interested to yeah, hear how your journey I have found that. I have found that when I remove the word but, I really have to think hard sometimes about how can I say this in a different way? And a lot of times it's been in a more clear way. And also... Even though the word but itself is not, you know, negative or connotes anything negative, it, it still oftentimes has this lingering feeling of, yeah, it's good, but kind of, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and so it's been very interesting to try to, to reshape my sentences and how I use them to avoid that. It's still a work in progress but I gotten a lot better. And so, uh, yeah, it's fun that you're doing kind of something similar. And I want to, I want to try a little bit of that too, on, on removing some of those, um, expressions or, or cliches like you talked about. So when you, uh, when you talk about this clarity, cause I know, and, and you mentioned that a lot of your experience has been in marketing and I know that in marketing, that's a and big thing. It's focusing on the clarity of words and the message and everything. So maybe this is a good transition point to kind of, you know, segue into talking a little bit about that, whether you want to cover it from, you know, kind of continue on with, with that um, train of thought from a, from a standpoint of clarity and so forth, or if you would like to more look at it from, okay, this is what we did from a systematic approach in marketing that can maybe be beneficial for listeners to, to learn from. I, I think I'm comfortable sharing a philosophy I've just created for myself. Like this is just for me. It, it, it's really, you can throw it away if it's not useful, <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, because a lot of my history has been business development oriented as, as that is the starting point. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where everything starts. Like it, it starts with the strategy and it starts with the business development and marketing comes later. And, and what I've seen at many companies is that they're generally happening at the same time, but in different places. And I think they need to go together. Like at ThoughtBot for us, we combine the two. Mm -hmm. And it's really starting with the strategy and the business development and really like, it's almost like I'm going to make a cliche. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> an analogy. 
we just talked about them, but it's kind of like getting in the car and knowing where are you going? Like, if you don't know where you're going, um, any, any route will do, right? So knowing what's our destination, and that's kind of how I use the business development is where are we headed? What is our strategic vision to get there? And then work in marketing at that point, as opposed to marketing doing a where are we headed exercise and business development doing a where are we headed exercise are kind of doing the same thing, but they're doing it in two different silos. Right. Why not unite and do it together and make it more of a seamless implementation? That, that works for me. And it's, and it's some, an approach I've brought to ThoughtBot that is different than what uh, we were doing before at ThoughtBot. But it's it's working really nicely for us. We're really enjoying it because we're speaking to the entire product development life cycle that we cover. Yeah, and you know, and I think it's okay to use analogies because they paint good pictures. Uh, cliches or jargons that may be a different thing, but okay. Um, <laughs> but with with what you're saying there, I mean, because you have the traditional. And I think it's being reduced across the board, but there's been traditionally a lot of, you know, either miscommunication or discontention between marketing and sales. And they've always seemed to be this, these separate beasts kind of. And my thought has always been too, well, they really should work more in tandem. And so it's, it's very interesting to hear that that's exactly what you're doing. Now, just for clarification, or clarity again, um, in case people are a little confused between business development and marketing, because you say that, and but a lot of times I know uh, when I talk to founders, especially they, and especially if they're a startup founder, they they think a lot about their messaging, and which for a lot of people would be this is our marketing or at least our our marketing message, so. What is your definition then of business development versus marketing? So for me, um, business development, and I, I didn't prepare for this, Chris. I know. <laughs> you were going to ask me this. <laughs> um, so I might refine this definition as I think about it. But for me, business development is anything to do with growing the business. Uh -huh. It's um, And that includes examining your financials, like um, examining your, your sustainability, examining your purpose and your mission and your values, uh, the destination, the where do you want to go? And, you know, how much do you want to grow? Like all of these things go into business development for me. On the marketing end, they're more to do with how are we communicating? How is our message being received? And you may say, well, this sounds like two totally different things, but they're not because once you define your business development on where you're going and what you need, you still need to convey that into a message of some sort and communicate it externally, either, either externally to clients or internally to your colleagues. And so um, they, they work together. That's kind of how I'm defining the two. Yeah. And, you know, this whole conversation is just unfolding and, and on its own kind of here. So I, but I actually do like that definition. And I'm glad I asked for clarification because a lot of times you see, 
you know, if you look at, at a job board in the company and you see the role of business development, it's really just a sales role. And so I'm glad that you, you included all those other elements because that is much more than sales. And that is really a true business development because it's looking at all the different pieces that go into the business. And yeah. so, so thanks for sharing that. And that makes uh, yeah. it a lot more sense, like why you feel that those are, are developed together. And they're, and it's a lot more fun. Like if you, if, if we just say sales, that has one connotation, but it's, and it's fun, but mm-hmm. business development is a lot more fun. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's just a lot more to do there and, and a lot more to think about. And it's just, it's just so it's exciting. Whereas I don't know if sales could be exciting necessarily. I mean, it's exciting if you win something, right. but business development could really be exciting. Cause you think about like, these are all, this is, these are, this is the potential future. These are the potential things we could do. So it, 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 to me, that um, that's how I see it. It's very different. Well, the way I see it too, is that if you really look at all the things that are going on in business and you're thinking about as the business you know, leader, you're the one that has the ability to Im- influence the systems and the processes and the policies that are in place. Now, people are going to work and do their best according to these existing policies, essentially. You know, to use a cliche, people uh, perform according to their, their measures. Um, but it's a statement to it, you know, from, from reality is if you, if you measure this way, you're going to perform to live up to that measure. And so by looking at it from a more holistic uh, viewpoint and looking at what are really the true components of business development, what can happen, and I don't know if you've had this particular experience, but uh, people that we have worked with have had this, where they, they all of a sudden see with more clarity how they both can perform better, but also through that, they kind of shape their offering and, and what they bring to their the market in a way that competitors can't follow, or at least, at least not very easily. And that obviously impacts sales in a big way because now they know that, you know, hey, we got something really awesome here to offer and, and we're the only ones that can do that. Yeah, that's a great point. It's very true. It's like really getting to know um, the, the who you're serving and like serving them so well that it's just hard to replicate. I mean, that's what was what your statement made me think about. Yeah, well, and that, that's definitely part of it. I mean, there's there's a lot of components that go into something like that, but but yes, that is definitely one big part of it because you can you can deliver in a way that nobody else can, and and that's a huge part of. I think both winning a sale, but also for the satisfaction of everybody working on the project or on the deliverables, whether that's, you know, physical deliverable or a service. Yeah. So when you do this, since we're talking about systems and processes in in this podcast, what are, do you you have a defined way to do it? Do do you have, uh, you know, any kind of tips with regards to approach to marketing or, or even business development that, that you'd like to share with the audience? 
I think it starts with um, back to what we talked about in the beginning. What problem are you solving? Mm -hmm. And um, really taking a look at the problem statement and what are maybe even going to the root of that, what's causing the problem? Are there some unmet needs? Are there some um, obstacles in the way? Is there something that needs to change completely? Like uh, understanding that, I think, is, is always a good starting point. Even we talked about it in terms of product development, but I think it also applies to business development. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about kind of what it is to lead, you know, with an organization there. But what if you're a brand new like startup and and you're trying to figure all these things out? Because there's a lot of things to figure out in running a business and a lot of hats to wear. Um, if anybody's listening and, and they are an entrepreneur or wanting to become one and start their own company, um, taking what you've just shared as far as you know the, the problem statements and so forth, but where do you go from there? Like, what, where do you start to kind of do business development or do marketing to get the word out there and, and start to get kind of the first few customers? I think it starts with um, passion and um, a, a real understanding of the problem. So like, there, there, this is a great time for entrepreneurship because there's a lot of problems out in the world. And the more problems there are out there, the more opportunities there are to solve them. So because there's so many uh, opportunities, because there's so many problems, it's like, where do you start, right? Start with the one that excites you the most, the one that really gets into your skin, says, geez, this is really, this is, (laughs) I feel my temperature changing when I think about this problem, or I feel my heart pounding when I think about this problem that's a good place to start because that'll give you the energy you need to do all the things that you need to do as an entrepreneur. And then, um, and it also brings with it because you're so intimately connected to the pain and the, and the the issue that you're solving. um, It brings it a lot of ideas and a lot of potential. So that can help you narrow down the beginning. And then with these ideas, kind of thinking about, um, priorities, you know, where do priorities fit in and, and thinking about narrowing those priorities to maybe some tangible ones that can really make a difference, maybe no more than three, one to, to three of them. And, and, um, and, to, and, and, and then that way, and really digging into each one of those three to the point where you've, you've either made, made some progress on them or exhausted them and said, these three aren't, priorities anymore i'm going to now four five and six or something like that yeah i think that sounds like a very sound approach um really getting to know your customer and and absolutely you're right i mean i've seen so many times where people have big visions and and big visions cost a lot of time and money to to you know bring to life and and to get traction it's much easier to start smaller and start and testing with with a much more narrow set of features or or problems you solve um, because there can be a lot of creative ways of doing that before you need to go in and for example 
spend tons of money developing a software or, or other things like that. So I uh, appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, uh, it, it does save money in the long run too. <laughs> yes, it does. Absolutely. Now, <clears throat> um, we're getting to the end here. I just want to give you a chance to also talk a little bit about ThoughtBot and kind of what you guys do and who you serve. So we are a product development firm. We're a product consulting firm. We uh, develop applications. We serve entrepreneurs and enterprises. Um, we help bring products to life and we help solve problems with, uh, with products. Um, we cover the entire product development ecosystem. So from the time somebody has an idea, so let me walk you through the main phases. The uh, ideation and validation is one of our units. It's called Ignite. Another of our units builds and uh, goes to market, launches products, that's liftoff. We have another unit that scales and transforms products or teams, that's Boost. And then we have at the end of the product development lifecycle, we have mission control that supports and develops, um, supports and maintains products. So you have, we have the entire ecosystem covered and anywhere along that, a client may have a need maybe for scaling and not need ideation or building, and that's fine. We'll just go right to the boost team for scaling. Um, a lot of clients come to us maybe with junior teams and those junior teams need, need uh, mentorship and training so that they're, they get leveled up to a, a, a greater expertise. Mm -hmm. Maybe their teams need transformation. So we'll go right to boost for that help. Um, sometimes we just need DevOps support. So we'll go to mission control for that, that, um, that assistance. So we can either cover the entire product development lifecycle or hone in on a particular need in the product development life cycle. Well, good. And, and it's interesting, you know, and, and this is the beauty of these shows. Like in one way, people could say, well, Amazonic does all of those things too, more or less. You know, we use different terms maybe for it. And, and I'm sure there's some, you know, specialties in what you're doing that what we're not doing and, and you know, the other way around too. But that didn't preclude me from having you on the show because I believe in everybody has value to share everybody. You know, I worked with a guy and he used to, uh, and I'm not sure if he's, he's the one that coined the term or not, but he's one of the few people I've heard it. And he talked about what he called coopetition. Mm -hmm. And so I don't believe that we need to be afraid of talking to each other just because we're in the same space. I think that it's better to get to know each other and, and, uh, it's I'm bringing this up because I want to encourage people and, and you know, people that are listening might see, well, well, why does Chris have, you know, Diane on the call here or, or on the podcast? Well, it's because of this. It's because we only gain by getting to know others and by sharing with others and building relationships. And so I would encourage everyone that is listening to do that even if they are your competitor, get to know them. And who knows, you know, even, even though from the outside, it looks like you're doing the exact same thing. you probably have different approaches to how you serve your clients. And there may be times where it makes sense to refer them to your competitor. And there may, may, may be times where it makes sense for them to refer them, you know, a client to you. So 
don't be afraid of competition is I guess what I'm saying. I agree. Um, with, with that, um, and I, I thank you again for coming on the show. I, I um, wanted to ask, I know that you guys are hiring. And uh, so whether people want to get in touch for, for that or uh, want to get in touch with you or with ThoughtBot for you know, other reasons, uh, what's their best way of getting in touch? Yeah, um, you can reach out to me directly at dianabald.thoughtbot.com or you can go to our website and look up any of those product development lifecycle um, teams that I mentioned and get support that way. But I, I highly recommend just reaching out to me directly. Sounds good. And then I also know that you guys have a couple of popular podcasts yourselves. Can you tell a little bit about them? Yeah, we have Giant Robots, which is run by our founder and, and COO, Chad Pytel. And we have The Bike Shed, which is super popular as well. It's run by Steph Bakari, who is uh, one of our, our team leads in the Boost team. And um, I encourage people to, to listen into those. You can find those on, our, on thoughtbot.com resources section. They're listed there. So thank and you for that opportunity. So, yeah, so what are the different kind of uh, angles or topics for the two different ones? So the bike shed focuses more on technical uh, topics and giant robots is more business oriented. So dives more into entrepreneurial, not quite what you do, but closer in line to what you're, you do. It's, it's more um, business oriented. Yeah. Well, good. Thank you again for coming on the Thanks. show. It has been you, a Chris. pleasure. It's really, and really I'm fun. I'm glad we had these kind of little discovery moments along the way. That's that's always yeah. fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got to exchange. I, you have to let me know when the right time to send business your way. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good fit for us, but it might be for you. Yeah. So for everyone that's been listening today, thank you for joining in. If you know somebody that is a business owner, or a, uh, an executive in a, in a company with 50 more employees, or you are yourself, and you want to be a, a guest on our show, then um, you know, reach out and, and uh, either uh, through our website or through uh, contacting me directly at chris at amazadic.com, and we can get that set up. And otherwise, I uh, thank you again for joining C-Suite Perspective Systems and Processes. Thank you for listening to today's episode of C-Suite Perspective. If you would like to be a guest on our show, go to go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. That is go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. And don't forget to hit subscribe to C-Suite Perspective Systems and Processes and leave us a review. Feel free to also share it with your friends and colleagues through your favorite social media channels. And feel free to reach out and connect via social media or go to our website, amazatic.com. 
That is A-M-A-Z-A-T-I-C.com. My name is Chris, and I thank you for listening to C-Suite Perspective, Systems and Processes.